Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Game night, so Mike Wells in today on Greeny, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. It's, it's always an exciting time when you hit this time of year. And I know most people are usually at home, Mike, kicking back. A lot of people take this week off, but you have so many bowl games and the NFL wild card race is so wide open right now. It is a great time to be a sports fan. It, it is. And, w- and what's amazing, the game, usually this time you're, you're dealing with teams jockeying for playoff spots, head coaches on the hot seat, and we're not talking about a quarterback who was supposed to be the franchise player of that team having to miss the final couple weeks of the season while his team has not been officially eliminated from playoff contention. It, it's crazy all while we're eating leftover Christmas food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, throw an extra Christmas cookie in for me if, uh, if you're sitting at home listening to us today. Uh, so you bring up Russell Wilson, and that is the big news because it was less than two years ago that this was supposed to be the big deal, the big trade that was going to turn things around for Denver. Now here we are, not even two years into this thing. We haven't even gotten to the extension in which he signed with the Broncos. That extension has not kicked in yet, Mike. And he is being benched for the final two games of the season. Sean Payton, Broncos head coach, yesterday in his press conference explained why he has decided to bench Russell Wilson. I understand all the the speculation and everything that surrounds a move like that. And I can tell you we're desperately trying to win. And... Sure, in our, in our game today, there are economics and all those other things, but the number one push behind this, and, and it's a decision I'm making, is to, you know, get a spark offensively. Woof. <laughs> Trying to win. Yeah, okay. That, like, that, yeah. Well, no, well, but I, if, if that is the truth, Oh, man, like that part of this is, well, I don't think I can win with this guy. So we are trying to make the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. We're trying. We, we understand it's like a 2% chance or whatever it is. If we went out, we can make the playoffs. But if Sean Payton actually believes that Jared Stidham gives him a better chance than Russell Wilson, man, that is an indictment on Russ going forward in the NFL. But this could be, Mike, one of the worst trades, if not the worst trade in NFL history. It could go down as that. Oh, yeah, and, and I look at it from a financial standpoint. Of course, you know, I, I spent nine and a half years covering the Indianapolis Colts. They gave up a first-round pick to get Trent Richardson in, in uh, 2013. So that right there is in the back of my mind. But the fact that the Denver Broncos gave up so much and then Russell Wilson gets the contract extension, and they, like you alluded to, that has not even officially kicked in yet, thinking he was going to be that guy, the same player who led the Seahawks to two Super Bowls, probably should have been two Super Bowl victories, and now he's going to be on the sideline looking up in the, looking up in the suite at Sierra and trying to act like he's really paying attention to his team play in the final two weeks of the season, all the while while the head coach won out. Basically, Sean Payton, I look at that Sean Payton and saying, Russell Wilson is not the guy I believe can get us to pass Patrick Mahomes' division and make us a competitive team in the AFC. Yeah, it's just crazy to think about that they gave up that much. Because you mentioned, yes, the Indianapolis Colts did give up a first-round pick for Trent, Trent Richardson. That was just one first-round pick. The Broncos gave up a bunch of picks and a bunch of players and a bunch of money in order to acquire this guy to be their starting quarterback. Sean Payton continued in his press conference yesterday on whether or not – Benching Wilson is throwing him under the bus at this point. 
I get that. And, and yet, I can't replace the entire offensive line. I can't bring in five new receivers. And if it continues over a period of time, then there'll be another guy here talking to you as well. I can just assure you one thing. I'm just interested in winning. <laughs> Again, it, he's, he's, this is somebody who has had zero problems throwing anybody under the bus, really, oh, yeah. in the year that he has now been in Denver as in charge. I mean, you can go back to him deciding, you know, to, and really they're just throwing everything from last year under the bus. Anything that they did last year has now been officially thrown under the bus by Sean Payton, whether that was the hiring of uh, Nathaniel Hackett from a year ago, throwing Hackett under the bus. Now he's throwing Russell Wilson under the bus. And this is a lesson, I guess, to NFL teams. If there's a quarterback that is available, think long and hard about why he is available before you decide to just completely throw everything at him in order to acquire this player. Because I'm wondering how far this is going to set back the Broncos. Well, you you know, know, it's, it's funny you mention that game. So I'm from Seattle. Went to college out there. Mm-hmm. My best friends still live out there. They're diehard Seahawks fans. And when this trade went down, one of them said, "Do you don't you realize there's a reason why the Seahawks are giving up a player who is still in the prime of his career? It's not like this is not the case of a, a quarterback in his late 30s and you know he's trying to hold on. Russell Wilson's still in his early 30s and they're throwing in the towel already." And so you made an excellent point in that situation. Like, hey, if you're looking at acquiring somebody, you have to you have to do the true true backstory on why that team has given up a player who has led them to two Super Bowls, the playoffs countless times in his career, arguably the best quarterback from the 2012 draft class since Andrew Luck retired early in his career. Why are the Seahawks giving them up? So the Broncos just set themselves back, but Sean Payton set himself up to be able to last even longer as a head coach because he's going to use that crutch of, hey, I still don't have my franchise quarterback. My next Drew Brees here in the organization, I need time to develop that player. Yeah, and they're going to have time to, again, re- get their draft picks back. Because I-, I don't know if anybody's going to trade for Russell Wilson at this point because of that contract. And if they ultimately just release him and eat the 85 or so million dollars over the course of a couple of seasons, it-, it is crazy that this is the point we're at with NFL teams, where they're just willing to eat that kind of money. But at the same time, if you've realized you've made a mistake, the best thing you can do is try to, all right, let's 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 just move on from this. Let's try to hit that reset button. Let's try to start over. Because there are some intriguing pieces. I think that's why the last two seasons, whether it was Hackett in charge, whether it was Sean Payton in charge, there are some intriguing pieces on that roster where you're going, you know, they, they might be able to put something together. It's they, they clearly felt the same way, which is why they were willing to give up some of those players, give up those draft picks in order to acquire the quarterback because they thought they were just a quarterback away. Oh, yeah. And, and, you, and you look at the makeup of the, of the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, and when I say a quarterback, a quarterback that can make plays in the fourth quarter, bring you back from deficits, if you don't have that player, you're not going to win. You're not going to have success. So to the Broncos' credit – they realize Russell is not that guy anymore. So they're like, okay, we're going to go ahead and wash our hands, acknowledge that this marriage, this marriage that lasted, you know, essentially less than two seasons is over with, and we are going to divorce Russell Wilson. I commend them for that because we have seen too many teams don't want, they didn't, where they do not want to admit that they screwed up and they try to hold on knowing that guy, that player, is not the long-term solution. So give them credit. They know that they need some guy because the best quarterbacks in the NFL, they're in the AFC, they're young, they're in their prime, and they're winners. 
and the Broncos, until they get that resolved, are going to continue to be looking up at at Patrick Mahomes and just begging that his wide receivers can't can't catch the football, and the Chiefs continue to struggle. Yeah, well, the best general managers, the best player uh, evaluators, the people who are in charge in the NFL move on from those mistakes faster than anyone. I do a show locally. I'm in Milwaukee. Do a show every day on 94.5 ESPN with a former Packers player who played in the 90s, had, had, you know, was a part of their Super Bowl team that won in 1996, uh, Mark Chimura. And he always said that Ron Wolf, the now Hall of Fame executive who was the general manager at the time for the Packers, I mean, obviously, he made a lot of really good decisions. Brett Favre, Reggie White, et cetera, et cetera. But he would always move on from mistakes. He would realize he made a mistake and try to move on from that mistake as quickly as possible. And that was part of the reason why a lot of those teams in the 90s for the Packers had success as well. The Broncos are blaming Russell Wilson for their failure. Who is to blame for your team's failure this season? Who is to credit for your team's success? You can be a part of the Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper Colon line, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of ice cold Dr. Pepper, the ones fans deserve. The thing that also stands out to me about this one, Mike, is you brought up you know, you, you've got a bunch of fan, you know, um, friends out in Seattle who are fans of the Seahawks and went, hey, this guy's available for a reason. Nobody from Seattle really went, hey, why are we trading this guy? Uh-huh. Nobody from Denver right now is, at least yesterday, I didn't hear it coming from their locker room, hey, why are we benching this guy? It doesn't seem like... And then I th- also think, I, b- I believe it was Seth Wickersham, who a-, a few years ago on ESPN.com had this huge, long piece about how the Legion of Boom and, and uh, Richard Sherman and-, and that group, that defense that was the-, the backbone of their back-to-back Super Bowl appearances, were wondering if maybe Pete Carroll was babying and, and coddling you know, Russell Wilson a little too much. And that kind of led to some, you know, a-, a little bit of you know, division in that locker room. I have not heard anybody stand up for Russell Wilson when he was traded initially to Denver and now when he's being benched in Denver. And that has also caught my attention. That, that, yes. And that's the thing. No, you're, not, you're not in the age of social media where we have seen players jump to the defense of somebody on social on, 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 on Twitter or or whether it's TikTok or Instagram. I see crickets. I hear crickets. There's there's nothing there's nothing there. And I I tell you now, you would think that um uh, especially from the offensive standpoint, because they're going to Jared Simmons, who was 0-2 in his career as a starter, has not won a game, has not none nothing to really blow you away, say, okay, he's got a long-term future as a starting quarterback. Nothing from the offensive guys of the Broncos. Nothing from the Seahawks guys say, oh, my God, we traded him. Now he's getting done dirty in Denver. There's nothing out there. So, again, it's a situation where Russell's got to look in the mirror and say, maybe I need to change the way I approach things because how I've done it over in recent years is rubbing people the wrong way. Yeah, uh, well, and the other thing is, I mean, people who follow this team, people who are around this team, seem to be siding with Sean Payton that this seems to be the right move because Mark Schlereth, three-time Super Bowl champion with, you know, a couple of those coming with the Denver Broncos, was on, on Sportsman like earlier this morning, and he thinks that Sean Payton's done a good job in Denver in his first season. Like, I know that he's taking a lot of heat, and and yeah, I would give him a – a B A minus. Like the the culture of this organization has not been good. The ownership issues have been real, and a lot of the things he's come in and set. You know, he set he gave them a chance to to win and to to reestablish a culture, and then he's holding guys accountable. And that's that to me is big. So I probably A minus. I think he's done a really good job. 
So, I mean, that's that's coming from somebody who, again, follows that team, who's been in that locker room specifically in Mark Schlereth on Unsportsmanlike. It seems like people around the NFL are siding with Sean Payton, Super Bowl champion, versus Russell Wilson, Super Bowl champion. And do you think... Is somebody is anybody going to take a flyer on Russell Wilson if he is indeed released by this team during the offseason? Somebody will. Somebody, somebody is going to think that they can fix Russell Wilson, get him back on track, and say he can, you know, be that quarterback. Uh, so you know, you know how to, you and I have been around NFL for a long time. We know there's always some team that's going to be willing to roll the dice and bring him in and hope that it, it can come about and he can regain his form. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I thought when Sean Payton got hired, I was like, okay, Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, he'll get rolling because, you know, things clearly did not work out last year with the, with the Daniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. So I thought it would work. And, you know, there's as the news broke yesterday, when after Adam Schefter broke the news, you know there were general managers or head coaches talking about, hey, we need to see how this plays out and let's try to take a flyer and see if we can get Russell Wilson in. So it'll happen. Man, I just – I don't know who that team would be because you would have to believe because you're rolling the dice. You're now taking two coaches, two guys that have won Super Bowls who are incredibly respected in Pete Carroll and in in Sean Payton and going, hey, I can fix him. Now, you're right. In order to be an NFL head coach, guess what? you got to have an ego. And you you obviously think that you know better than those two. But I look around the NFL and I wonder what teams would take a risk on them. You're not going to be a team that's got draft capital. Like the Chicago Bears aren't going to go. You know what? We're going to move on from Fields and bring in Russell Wilson. <laughs> like that's 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 not a team that's going to be out there. It's got to be a team that's kind of close and think that they're just a quarterback away. And I got at one. least right I now, one. I can't think of that team. Who who do you think that team is, Mike? I'm going to throw it out there, and you can call me a fool, an idiot. I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going okay, to now say, that is an interesting one. An That's interesting an interesting one because one. Mike Tomlin has his Steeler way, way he approaches it. I mean, he's got to have a heart-to-heart conversation with Russell Wilson. You bring Eric Bean and me as a, in as the offensive coordinator and have and pair those two together because I'm sorry. I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious on if Kenny Pickett can get it together. Bring Russell in and try to pair those two together. That's the one team that continues to pop up when I think about a team that potentially fits for Russell Wilson because the Steelers had a defense. It's an offense just that is not very good. Yeah, I, I put me in the camp of I don't think that Kenny Pickett's going to get it together when Mason <laughs> Rudolph comes in and is able to do some of the things he did last week, and that's your best offensive performance of the year. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me if Mike Tomlin does indeed stick around. There, there are a lot of moving parts within that organization too, but if Tomlin does stick around, that would be an interesting marriage, especially because – I think you're assuming that Eric Bieniemy would be available because the Washington Commanders would end up cleaning house. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, and coming up next, there's another NFL player who's not playing on Sunday for a much different reason. That's coming up next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. It, it was two years ago today where all of us in the ESPN family lost somebody close to our heart, especially on the radio side. Jeff Dickerson, who spent countless years covering Chicago Bears for ESPN and was also entrenched in the ESPN radio family, lost his battle with cancer, leaving behind a, lung, a young son, Parker, who we all miss today. J.D. was like a brother to me. And I got I to te- tell you, Gabe, if it was not for Jeff Dickerson, I wouldn't be sitting here today on ESPN radio. It was Jeff Dickerson had a show with Jonathan Hood and while covering Indianapolis Colts, I would always be a guest, often talking about uh, Andrew Luck and all his injuries, his shoulder problems and everything. And they always had a reentry song, the song uh, Pony by Genuine. And Genuine. And I would take up time and sink to come into the reentry. Of course, I cannot carry a tune. Um, it's like I was singing in the shower. And after one of my appearances with uh, JD and uh, Jay Hood, um, Jeff was like, hey, you got any interest in wanted to do radio uh, with us. I'm like, yeah, great. And so he reached out to the uh, bosses, and I made my first co-host appearance with Jeff in February of 2018, so coming up on six years. And after that, I've been entrenched in, but it was because of Jeff who went out when he didn't have to. He could have been selfish and said, you know what, I don't want any more of the ESPN and the Foundation people doing radio shows. I want all the attention. I want to be the guy that does it. But anybody who knows J.D., knows that is not how J.D. operates. He, he was probably one of the most unselfish people that all of us have, have ever known. He would go and do whatever it takes. He would give up clothes off his back to give the others. Um, another good friend of ours, Von McClure, passed away, and J.D. emptied an event, his first fundraising event, and it was just months prior to J.D. passing away, and you would have never thought J.D. was dealing with his cancer because he didn't want to talk about it. It was all about Vaughn and the one-year anniversary since he passed. I just wish there were more unselfish people like Jeff Dickerson in this world because this world would be a better place if people acted like J.D. and if J.D. was still here today. A lot of people within ESPN, ESPN Radio, have those stories about Jeff Dickerson. I know you've got your J.D. shirt on today. I saw it this morning on Unsportsmanlike with Courtney Cronin and Michael Rothstein filling in. They had their J.D. shirts on, so certainly somebody we're thinking about and is, is dearly missed here on ESPN Radio. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Gabe Knight, so he is Mike Wells as we fill in on Greeny today. And... Uh, 
Taking a closer look at something that's uh, close to home for me in the Green Bay Packers, a team that I talk about locally here in Milwaukee quite a bit, Mike. And, you know, this is a team that has a lot of good things going for it. You know, it's a young team in a rebuilding season that is potentially on the verge of making the postseason. They've got a young quarterback in Jordan Love who's playing really well, showing that, yes, maybe he is that heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, and he could be that next really good Packers quarterback over the next decade or so. But all this week has been about Jair Alexander, a two-time All-Pro corner, second-team All-Pro cornerback who... The Cliff's Notes version is there have been some other issues this year, but ultimately decided to make himself a captain, almost screwed up the coin toss, and now has been suspended by the Green Bay Packers. Their head coach, Matt LaFleur, explained the decision yesterday to suspend Jair Alexander. It's unfortunate that, you know, we're at that juncture and felt like it was in the best interest long term for our for our team and for Jair and Certainly, uh, it was a tough decision, you know, especially, you know, kind of where we're at right now and, you know, one we don't take lightly, but there's standards that are, we're all held accountable for. And when they're not met, unfortunately, sometimes you got to take some drastic measures. However, I will say that, you know, we are expecting to get, we'll get him back and we're looking forward to get him back. I think we had a long conversation this morning. I thought it was very productive. And, you know, I think in the long run, although it's painful now, I think we're all going to be better for this moving forward. Now, it's going to be tough for the Packers this Sunday. They play the Minnesota Vikings, and while the Vikings have yet to name a starter at this point, Justin Jefferson is still healthy and is still a pretty good wide receiver no matter who is at quarterback. And the Packers, without their best corner, are certainly going to struggle there. But it's it's just uh, – LaFleur would go on to say it was more than just, hey – he decided to make himself a captain. He said it was more than just that. As uh, Jair Alexander's been out this season, he has clearly been unhappy with the way the Packers have played defense, even going back to last season. So ultimately, he is suspended for a game. And you have to know that the conduct is pretty serious when all the things I just listed off, Mike, are, oh, hey, this team could make the playoffs, but they have to win <laughs> out. They have to do all these things. And now one of their best players is going to be unavailable to them because they decided to suspend him. So were you not surprised by it considering – I mean, the long, you know, old school yellow and black Cliff Notes version that you just read off about <laughs> um, about Jair Alexander and, and his I was, suspension. I was surprised about the suspension, yes. So I, the, I was, was surprised. Was it, was it, do you think it's too extreme? Because, I mean, you're, you're the perfect person to be able to talk about it since it's right there in your backyard. I think it was the right thing to do. I honestly, th- I was surprised that the Packers ultimately did that. Um, because, again, it just seems like things have been festering, especially on the defensive side of the football, for a while. They just went Devondre Campbell, who was an all-pro inside linebacker a couple of seasons ago, who's been dealing with some injuries, um, recently kind of had a, a rant on social media as well, talking about how he's he doesn't want to play now unless he's 100%. And th- there just have been some things on that side of the football for the Packers, the defensive side, that have been lingering. And this is a, a thing where... Again, it goes back to more than just him deciding to make himself a captain and and jumping in there and and putting his teammates in that spot and and kind of confusing everybody. Being a captain on an NFL team for a game is something of an honor, and you can't just jump into the line because you've decided, hey, I'm from Charlotte, I'm going to do this. So I think ultimately this is the right thing. I think they have to try to reset those expectations with Jair Alexander and – 
we were just talking about Russell Wilson and his contract. The, the Packers have him under contract, and next year uh, he has a cap hit of $24 million. Uh, the dead cap would be 27 so they would lose an additional $3 million. I think that's something, if ultimately this thing went completely south, that they could try to move on from him. I think they would eat the $27 million. I think they'd prefer not to, and the best way to try to reset expectations, the best way to try to get the most out of him, I think, was sitting him down for this game as well and then just try to, okay, we're going to restart from here and move forward after the suspension. What what I found amazing is, you know, um, Rob Domoski, who covers the packetry, has been asked, uh, Jair, about that um, after the game. And the fact that he threw out him from Charlotte, okay, why not let your head coach know say, hey, coach, I'm back. I'm back in the hometown. I got my people in the stands. Can can I be a captain this week? He decided to say, you know, basically he acted like one of my kids and said, "Hey, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and eat eat this ice cream, even though Dad said we're not doing it." He decided to take it on his own. The one to go out there and join the group. So that is show that shows his immaturity, in my opinion. Very immature instead of approaching your head coach and saying, "Hey, coach." I'm, I'm from Charlotte. Can, well, and, and, can I be a captain? And he seemed to not have zero idea that this was going to be a big deal after the game. He showed zero remorse and thought it was more funny after the game when he was asked about it. You mentioned Rob Domoski. He was part of the media scrum where Jair Alexander talked about taking over and making himself a captain against the Panthers this past Sunday. So were you supposed to be a captain? Because the team announces the three game captains and you were the fourth and you called a toss. What happened there? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's only suiting, you know. I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte, you know, so. So you just did that on your own? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was like a, you know, the guys backed me up, you know, so they knew I was from here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call, though? What'd I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah. Which in theory could they could have said, then you're electing to kick to, to uh, kick off, which you would have lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half. Yeah, no, I told them that uh, I said uh, I want I want our defense to be out there, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like, I want the defense to be out there. They like, you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Again, zero remorse there. From what I do, what I do, what yeah, I do. Just completely confused. And your point about having a conversation with your head coach, I think, would have gone a long way. Because Jair Alexander has missed the last, uh, prior to that game, he had missed five, I believe it was five or six games in a row with a shoulder injury. And the Packers never put him on IR because they thought he would be back sooner. And it's one of the strangest things. I don't know if I've ever seen, I've seen players who don't practice and then play on Sunday. I don't know if I've ever seen a player practice as much as Jair Alexander did and then not play on Sunday. So I think the Packers said, I'm sure they were aware he's from Charlotte. I just don't know if they thought he was going to play. They had no idea if he was going to play because, yeah, he practiced last week, but he had done that the previous three weeks, hadn't played in the game. They had no idea, and the lack of communication there ultimately led to now him being suspended and unavailable for a big game on Sunday night for the Green Bay Packers. Basically... It just appears, you know, for somebody on the outside looking in, is that Jair Alexander, while very talented, has a lot of growing up to do. He needs to grow up and mature in some areas that are not necessarily related to going out and trying to shut down Justin Jefferson or any other other elite receivers in the NFL. It's about how to be a better teammate and how to be a better player to the coaching staff, it, it, it appears to be. 
Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Packers trying to figure it out on defense. Kansas City uh, Chiefs trying to figure out things on offense. Really just trying to figure anything out at this point for the Chiefs. And in Monday's loss, Travis Kelsey got into a heated exchange on the sideline with Andy Reid. Here was Kelsey addressing that exchange on his podcast, the New Heights podcast. He wanted to see the fire in me, and I I reacted in a bad way. He wanted to just get the best out of me. Um, And right now, I'm just not playing my best football, and I got to lock the in and be more accountable for him, be more accountable for my teammates. I got to keep my cool, man. It's not just one guy. I, I'm. It's not just me playing like dog. Shit. Not just uh, us not being able to get the run game going. It's not just us not being on the same page passing wise. It's, everybody's in this thing together. Everybody at some point isn't being accountable. Everybody's just got to do their job. Whew. Tell us how you really feel, Travis. Yeah, very, very blatantly honest, which I like, by the way. I mm-hmm. love that. And. I think Travis Kelsey, I mean, he said it. He's not playing as well as he did last year. And he's the reason. He's a big reason why they were able to win a Super Bowl last year. Without Tyreek Hill and moving on with kind of the hodgepodge of receivers they had a season ago, they were able to make all of that work because they still had Travis Kelsey. They still had the best tight end in football. I think Travis Kelsey's still really good, but right now he's not the best tight end in football. And I think that's a big reason why their hodgepodge of receivers is not working right now. Is it too late for the Chiefs? Can they fix whatever is ailing them in the final two weeks heading into the postseason, Mike? You, you Ideally, you would say yes, they can because they still have Patrick Mahomes, who is, you know, basically a Magic Johnson of quarterbacks with his ability to create and make things happen. But I'm under the belief, after watching Monday afternoon on Christmas afternoon against the Raiders, where Mahomes was probably at his best, when he was tucking the ball and saying, screw it, I'm just going to run the ball because I don't trust my wide receivers. The Raiders are doing a great job uh, blanketing Travis Kelsey because he is the most reliable player, you know, um, receiving threat that the Chiefs have. I just, I just, I'm not sold they can, they can sit here and flip around. And the fact that four or six losses have been at Arrowhead this year where Arrowhead is a stadium routinely that is so hard to win at and no t- teams are not fearing going in there. I just I think it's going to be tough for them to automatically flip it around and just say, all right, you know what, we're good. Postseason's here. All the drops we had, all the all the sideline outbursts, it's all done. It's over. We made the postseason. Now we're going to go ahead and get back to the Super Bowl again. I just think it's going to be a lot harder than what it's been in previous years. Because, come on, Gabe, they need no receivers. Need some a major case to stick them because they don't know how to catch a football. Everything you said makes sense to me. That being said. Everybody is talking about how the Bills are the team that nobody wants to play. You cannot convince me that any team in the AFC also wants to play the Kansas City Chiefs. I understand they've got their issues. But at the end of the day, that is quite possibly the best coach-quarterback combo in the NFL. A combination that has, and it's going to happen this year, potentially, uh, if they don't lose that first playoff game. But they're going to have to play their first road playoff game in five years. They've been in the AFC Championship game every year, and they've not had to play a single road game in those five seasons. Like, Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the NFL. Andy Reid is still an NFL Hall of Fame head coach. And they've got their issues right now. 
But if they go on a run in the playoffs, Mike, if they just kind of figure something out and catch a little quick spark and win that first game and put in an unbelievable scare to whoever they end up playing in, you know, whether it's Miami or who or the, the Bills, whoever it ends up being in that in that second round, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked and or surprised by that, given the success that this team has had in the postseason. No, it, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be. Sh- it would not be shocking if that happened just because everything you alluded to, everything and the two biggest reasons, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But here, let me ask you this, Gabe. All right. Would you be more surprised if they went on a run like that or more surprised if they flamed out in their first playoff game? Be more surprised if they flame out in that first playoff game. Just because of what you alluded to? Yeah, just because, I mean, this is – and I draw on this – I think of, again, being in Milwaukee, and we had Aaron Rodgers for the Green Bay Packers for however long. 2015 was a rough year for the Green Bay Packers. They ended up going 10-6. and six. I think they, they – kind of a similar thing. They started 6-0, and and the last 10 games they go 4-6. and six. They kind of limp into the postseason as a wild card. Didn't even win the NFC North in 2015. And Aaron Rodgers was without his top receivers. Jordy Nelson had torn his ACL in the preseason. And they just didn't have their regular complement of weapons. But Aaron Rodgers went into Washington and beat Kirk Cousins, and they scored 33 points in that game. And then he had an unbelievable series at the end of the game in a playoff game at Arizona where Jeff Janis had 101 yards receiving in a single series. Jeff Janis. I barely know who Jeff Janis is, and I'm around this team all the time. When you have a quarterback like that in the playoffs, it takes something, usually something special, in order to eliminate them, and it takes an unbelievable effort in order to eliminate them, and that's what I'm just thinking of. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that that 2015 team wasn't very good, and yet somehow they took a team on the road to overtime to potentially go to the NFC Championship game. Now, I think that the flaws are probably too big for them to win three games in a row and end up back in the Super Bowl again this year. But it's a team where, because of Patrick Mahomes, you're going to need an unbelievable effort to knock them out of the playoffs. You're, you're going to have to have your A game because your B game, somehow that guy on the other sideline is going to find a way to pick apart your defense at the wrong time for you. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I mean, as long as Patrick Mahomes is out there, the Chiefs have an opportunity. I just, under the belief that, you know, if they have, for some odd reason, you're right, I think Buffalo depending on where, they're, where the game is played at, is probably the scariest team in the AFC. I say um, Buffalo and Baltimore, two yep. scariest teams. I mean, Baltimore is killing it right now in their five-game uh, winning streak. Going on the road in playoffs is a concept that Patrick Mahomes has no idea about. How will he That's handle true. it? If, if he has to go to Buffalo um, in the postseason, how is he going to handle playing in Orchard Park where – the fan base is unbelievable. Who knows what the weather's going to look like? I mean, I was there in 2017 for the snowball between the Bills and the Colts. You couldn't even see, couldn't even see it. Or if it's, you know, the wind chill is negative five. How are they going to be able to handle it out there? Just having to deal with things that are not related to reading the defense. How will Patrick Mahomes handle it? Um, if the Chiefs do flip it around and they go on a run. Goodness gracious, You nobody should ever doubt Patrick Mahomes again if he's able to get this team to another Super Bowl with what he has dealt with all season. 
ESPN Radio has you covered for bowl game action that includes today. You can tune in for the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. That's followed by the Pop-Tarts Bowl and the Valero Alamo Bowl. Coverage begins at 2 p.m. Eastern here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is Green Age presented by Progressive Insurance. Gabe Nigel along with Mike Wells today. And coming up next, there's an NFL conspiracy theory surrounding the NFL's best two teams. And I guess we've decided that we need to hear this. I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but we'll let you decide. That's coming up next after Mike has this from Vivid Seats. Bowl season, basketball, hockey, and pro football are, are in action. And Vivid Seats has it all for you and your ticket ticket gifting needs this holiday season. See every one-timer, every touchdown, and every slam dunk live and in person with great deals on great seats. Plus, with Vivid Seats Rewards, you earn rewards with every purchase. They're here for us fans offering unbeatable rewards like surprise seat upgrades, free tickets, annual birthday discounts, and much, much more. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Greeny, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Gabe Knight, so Mike Wells in for Greeny today. Mike, are you much of a conspiracy theorist? Do you believe any of those, or like jinxes, or anything like that? No, I, I'm just, I, I find those things hard to believe. You really have to be an incredible salesman. I mean, you got to be able to sell me a Pinto and make me think it's a, it's a Mercedes Benz. That's how good you have to be of a salesman <laughs> to get me to change my mind and say, okay, they, they, you know what, they, it, 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 it was set up this way. This is how it, it was definitely a conspiracy here. All right, well, Evan, who is our producer today, has a conspiracy theory that he wants to lob out to us. So we'll see if he's a good salesman and can convince you that this one is true. Evan? Yeah, so somebody posted on Twitter that after each of the 49ers' losses this season, in which they only scored 17 points in, in each of those three games, the next game the other team's quarterback got hurt. Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Kirk Cousins. Lamar mm. Jackson's safety, in which he was tripped by, ref- by the official Alex Moore, made that game end with 19 points instead of 17. So do you guys buy that this safety from Lamar Jackson uh, prevented him from getting hurt this week against the Dolphins? I, I, I'll take this one first, Gabe, because okay. when, when, when I'll, it, when, I'll lay it out for you. For, first of all, it, it, happened, it happened in the first half of the game. Um, and I mean that the official, I mean the, the magic line just jumped, jumped up and grabbed the officials by the ankles and said, please fall down. And then we're going to have, um, Lamar Jackson treated like a game of Frogger and try to leap over, but he went to the ground also. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying it. And now of course, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl or if Lamar Jackson goes out and balls against the Miami Dolphins this weekend, they're like, see, they got 19 points, so luckily Lamar did not get injured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, so I wouldn't consider myself superstitious, to borrow a line from Michael Scott. I'm a little stitious. Um, like the, the Madden curse was always one that was interesting to me just because that happened for so long. Like this is like 
They're, they're trying to combine like weird Tim Kirchin stats, like the, the really obscure ones that, that Tim usually loves during the baseball season of, well, in every game they've only scored 17 points in which they lose, and then this quarterback gets hurt in the very next game, so the 19 points means he's going to be safe. Like there's, There are too many dots on this one for me to connect. If, if I'm going to buy into some sort of conspiracy theory, Evan, I think I need more of a straight line. I don't need the little dots and stops along the way if I'm going to believe in this one. So I'm, I am going to say that uh, this is not one I believe in. All right, I give it a shot here. I mean, I'm I'm into conspiracy theories, so I thought this one was a uh, was a you good thought one. this one, well, but this, but it's not as strong as like. I'm trying to think of other ones, but the Madden curse, the Madden curse was strong for like a decade. I feel. Yeah, that that, that was. I, I don't know I, who I, officially broke it because I don't think anybody's scared of it anymore. But I feel like, I mean, for a long time, there, you know, the Madden curse was was real and and something to be scared of. Yeah, no, I I was covering the Minnesota Vikings that the year after. The Vikings got lost 41-0 to the Giants in the NFC uh, Championship game. Dante Culpepper, Dante Culpepper had an incredible season that year. That was his first year starting. He kept burst on the scene. He was on the Madden cover the next year. The Vikings stunk. Dennis Green got fired. Um, it was just a horrible. So that was the first. That was the first taste of the Madden curse. That would probably you. You, you brought up man. You got you brought up. Oh God, that was a long season. Um, so <laughs> that right. That was also the year that Corey String, Stringer unfortunately passed away oh, too. So um, that would probably be the closest thing I would say because you're right. That that Madden curse oh. went on for a long time. College football playoffs on ESPN Radio. Don't miss the semifinals on New Year's Day. Rose Bowl starts at 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by the Sugar Bowl at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm sorry, what? 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 I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? How has this story not come out before? It's not like Wayne Gretzky's new to the scene, but he shared an incredible story. The great one. The guy who's got his number retired all around hockey had an unbelievable story that you have to hear this from the Spittin' Chicklets podcast. I met Larionov in 84 and snuck him out for dinner. And so I knew he spoke English. So he said to me in 87 during the uh, warm-up tournament exhibition games, he said, Wayne, can we go have dinner? And I said, listen, bring whoever you want. My parents live 20 minutes from here. Let's go to my house. And he goes, okay, the big five, Kasatonov, Larionov, Krutov, Makarov, and... Tisov. But Tikhanov has to come and two KGB guys. I said, no problem. So they come to my house, right? And my mom did a barbecue in the backyard and my basement was downstairs and I had this old friend, Charlie Henry. I said, Charlie, you stand at the top of the stairs here. Don't let the KGB down. And I took the guys down there and I had beers down there for them and they all had a beer. They were so happy and so thrilled and so like thankful. Because they were so strict where they wouldn't have let them drink otherwise? They couldn't have a beer. This is just an unbelievable story to me. At the height of the Cold War, you have Wayne Gretzky, who is just showing off the, the, the biggest Canadian hospitality ever. Oh, we've got to bring a couple of KGB agents to your house for dinner. Do you mind? Ah, oh, no, not a big deal. And then he sneaks Russian hockey players downstairs to his basement to sneak them beers. That is an unbelievable story that I cannot believe he has not told publicly before. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I also saw something where he talked about how he had to have steak, potatoes, and vanilla ice cream at 12.30 of every game day. So, I mean, it it, it is an, a story. If somebody said it, 
Ted said, "Okay, yeah, Wayne Gretzky was sneaking the You're Like, there's no way. He, no, 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 no. Why are we? Why are we just hearing about it now? That that is my question. That story is so good that it has taken. I don't even. I don't even remember when Wayne uh, retired from hockey. It's been that long, and we're just hearing about it. But I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, I 100% believe it. This is from 1987. This happened almost 30 years ago. It's an unbelievable story. So glad he shared it. We're going to dive back to the NFL coming up next on Green. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcast.